I'm Molly, and you're listening to Zetas Lapidus, a Mammoth Club original podcast. What's up, all you zany, artsy, fartsy folks and or military individuals? Because that's really the only two type of people that can exist in this film. Welcome. My name is Alan. I'm Molly. Uh, And I'm a zany, artsy, fartsy (laughs) folk. (laughs) I was going to say... I am a woman who got remarried in her 40s and <laughs> learned to Just cook. It's a very and got long descriptive. <laughs> yeah, got that's pregnant wow, by wow. her military husband, and her ex husband is all good with it. Uh huh. <laughs> and my name's Max. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is Zeta Sapitas. It's the podcast where we watch every DCOM or Disney Channel original movie in chronological order and then spend way too much time analyzing them. This week, folks, we watched Cadet. Kelly. This is a big moment in the community theater. A big moment. Welcome to the stage, Hilary Duff. Yeah. And Christy Carlson Romano. Yeah, welcome to the stage, Christy Carlson Romano. Carlson Romano, thank you. And Iceman. Oh, Oh, Sean Ashmore, what a crush on Oh my God. Iceman. (laughs) From the X-Men. Hell yeah. That's correct. Bobby, I believe his name was. Mm -hmm. Uh, the description of Cadet Kelly is as follows. A fashion-conscious youngster is horrified when she's forced to move to military school. Fashion-conscious? Is that what you would describe? She's she's artsy. She's not fashion-conscious. I wouldn't describe Kelly Collins as like, uh, when I think of the one thing I would use to describe her, it's not fashion-conscious. I'm just, listen, this is what the the IMDb crew, conscientious objector. Yeah. Yep, yep, <laughs> that's the thing that said. hippie child goes to military Sure, school. yeah. Accurate. This movie was released March 8th of the year 2002, and I gotta know, did either of you watch this movie as a kid? Oh yeah, I was a big Lizzie McGuire girl. I did not. I did watch this movie as a kid, surprisingly. This is one of those rare situations where now the shoe's on your foot, uh, Max, of not having watched this movie and us having. Only one? Uh, I think... This might be the second time. I second just meant only one shoe. Oh, yeah, no, only, only one walk. shoe. Only one yeah. shoe. Strange. Well, you did mention that you were the, an artsy-fartsy before, which is like that might be oh. something that you do to sort of Defined like... Defined by only true. wearing one shoe. Yeah. yeah. That's, your, that's that, your look. That could be your class project. Hey, as long as you own it. With confidence. The top song of the time was Always On Time by Ja Rule. No one do me what I'm a baby. <laughs> Shanti It's our room Cause I'm always on time And I gave you my own We have and pain and a shanti here What would I be when I'm a baby <laughs> Oh wow I don't think uh, I need to do any more. Oh, there wow. was so much before the Firefest, really. There was <laughs> You're forgetting. You're forgetting there was all so of the So much bops. before the Firefest, <laughs> truly. Oh, wow. Oh god. And the top movie or uh, the top grossing film of the time was The Time Machine by Dreamworks. I don't even know what that is. I don't either. Yeah, it is a sci-fi action film. After learning from Vox how to find the Morlocks, that's just one sentence or the start of a sentence that I read. I in hope Wikipedia. the whole movie rhymes. Here is some of the top news, pop culture, and otherwise. Pop culture: Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears split this month. Oh, hmm. after the Joutfits? Yeah, 
It's a big sad. But that would go on to have Justin Timberlake write his Justified album, which... Cry me a river. That song in particular. Cry me a river. Cry me, cry me. And now here's the biggest thing, truly, I think for us, as Mammoth Club, the three of us, yeah. You know, we've had a lot of conversations about mammoths in our time. Uh, yeah. And this is, I think, perhaps some of the single most important news of the day. And okay. that is that on March 15th of the year of our Lord, 2002, the yeah, movie exactly. Ice Age was released. <laughs> and we got to see Manny the Mammoth for the first time on wow. screen. <laughs> Alan's that is movie. impactful for you. I agree. <laughs> His name's Manny. His name is Manny. Yeah. Alan loves Ice Age. I did not realize how how much that stuck in my brain. I used to watch that movie going to sleep in college. That's you know what? That's weird. Everyone Let's just say that's thing. weird. Hey, I love that one movie. I that's true. I'm not here to yuck yums. I fall asleep sometimes too, or in college, either Friends or Sex in the City were big ones. Mm. Now I, we, we watched Ice Age not too recently, or not too, not too long ago, rather. And uh, let me just say, the animation, you you can tell it's changed a lot. Wow, yeah. <laughs> That's true of all those movies. Go back and watch Toy Story. Oh, true. Well, is everybody ready to dive into Cadet Kelly? Sir, yes, I'm, sir. I'm ready. Oh, wow. Sir. Wow. Mm, sir is what she calls her stepfather, which is weird in and of itself. But let's get into it, everybody. The movie starts with a real bop of a song. I am everything that I want to be. True. It's, that song's going to keep coming back. It Yes, yes, it does. There's one song in this movie, I'm pretty sure. It's just that song, I'm, every time they need music. They modulate it a bit, maybe. I'm a one-girl mm-hmm. revolution. The intro is like super early aughts, go figure. But then, then this thing happens. You see Hilary Duff dancing around screen, doing some ribbon twirling. Yeah. And I was like, this is a bop. I'm into it. I'm so excited. And then she hits me with a voiceover. Now, thankfully, yeah. it wasn't a very long voiceover this time, but it was enough of a voiceover where I was like, oh, shit, this is probably going to be a consistent thing we have because yeah. she's describing the world around her. Does does she get a pass because she's Hillary Duff? No. No one, still, no one gets a pass. No one gets a pass. Let me ask you a question. I have to be fair. Does, I, I want to ask a related question that's unrelated to what this movie. Yeah. You saw Quantumania. Yeah. Does Paul Rudd get a pass? Absolutely not. Paul Rudd doesn't get a pass. Okay, listen. It's not... Quantum Mania voiceover is as obnoxious to you as KJB and Quince. Let me me put it this way. I think that voiceover when applied in a a good way makes sense. Like if there's a a rationale and an intent for voiceover, I think that in Ant-Man and Quantum Mania... I like the use of that voiceover because it's intended to be comedic and pretty meta. Like that's intended. That's me, its intended use. Let me get there, another uh, one at you. Yeah. Does Galadriel get a pass at the beginning of Lord of the Rings? And are we talking Galadriel, the elf who could murder me if, if yeah, she wanted she to? She starts Lord of the Rings by voiceover explaining the history of the rings. Okay. Well, now that's contextual information that again, when applied, makes sense. Okay, but this could be contextual information. Now it feels like you're just making up rules. 
I mean, I may be in the moment. Who's to say? Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to. I'll have to create a gut compendium. Feeling. It's a gut feeling. I think a yeah. VO rule compendium. Here's here's the issue that I'm I just have. saying. You're making some sweeping judgments on VO, and there are some good examples out here of VO. So where done well? Where where is it in, man? <laughs> when where's the line? You know what? I'm still working that out. We might tiptoe through. I might even waffle. I might even change my mind. Well, more of a pancake guy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> all right okay that's great i'm not for the record i'm absolutely like, a waffle like, waffles absolutely. are absolutely the better yeah, they're choice. definitely better come on there's pockets for the butter and the syrup yeah. what are you talking about i know it's crazy um, i know yeah so in this instance the vo is okay i think here's the crazy thing that i i just kind of want to start with is that this movie sort of alternates between a lot of tell and not show and then a whole hell of a lot of show and not tell. And it's mm-hmm. like, and and it feels like we go to the extremes in a lot of cases on this. And mm-hmm. there are a couple of instances about it. And that, that was kind of weird for me, but this is to the start to this. I was like, okay, we're going to get like some random stuff that, that, that the consistency in one liners that are intended to be quippy in the VO, I think is what got on my nerves, but mm-hmm. we're introduced to Hillary Duff who is playing Kelly Collins. You find out, Pretty quickly, she's clumsy, has a lot of whimsy, mm-hmm. going to a very artsy school with her ribbon dancing and her ribbon dancing friends. And her father is also similarly artsy when they are introduced as he falls off of a wall in the middle of New York City. I believe they're in Manhattan. He's similarly clumsy as well. Yeah. And we have dad picking up Kelly from her school where she's titled her her project La Familia, which, which I was like, makes no sense because she's yeah, it doesn't, not. I agree. It doesn't. She's, she's not Latina. I don't know why. Yeah, feels more feels more artsy to not use English. I guess. I suppose. True. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, English is so pedestrian. Uh, true. And we get this the start the seeding of this theme that just comes back over and over and over again, and it never gets any better. Honestly, where. Kelly is like, I just have to do everything for everybody. I'm the person who knows it all and can take care of everything. And I'm going, you're a 14 year old child. That that's not a healthy feeling, even if it is true. The entire opening sequence is is just intended to introduce you to Kelly, dad, mom, who is similarly flighty. I would say it was hard for me to get a read on her in the opening scenes but similarly flighty sort of kinda, and then stepdad. So th- that's the family unit, as it were. Dad and mom are divorced, have a healthy relationship, it would seem, because dad's present and okay with everything else that's occurring, and mom is together with a new gentleman who becomes stepdad right off the bat. That's the, that's the early, what I thought was going to be conflict and wasn't. First of all, we're clicking the single parent counter up for this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Second of all, I don't think mom is equally flighty as Kelly. I think she's more grounded than Kelly and dad, but she's more fun than stepdad, who we will learn more about very soon. Also, when she and dad are walking through the streets of New York, they have to stop and get dirty water hot dogs. Yeah. And I wanted to die a little bit. Why? I can't imagine why you would react that way. You love hot dogs. It's canonical. We know that. I can't imagine. Man, New York hot dog is like an icon. Yeah, that's street food. It, Molly, I know you love different 
culinary delights that if you were in I a do. city, you would want to eat the food that that city is known for. You've been to New York many times. I imagine you've had street hot dogs. Mm. No, I've had bagels. Uh-huh. I've had pizza. Uh-huh. Had great Italian food. Really feels like you're missing out a pillar of now i i don't live in new york i I can only go off my perception of new york but certainly one of the things that are touted it'd be like going to a baseball game not getting a hot dog molly tell me you haven't done that i can't say i've i've gotten a beer i've gotten a cracker jack can't say i've gotten a hot dog there either Real, really feels like you're missing out on the experience (laughs) Uh, i mean listen i can only speak from my singular experience of having a new york piece of street meat hot dog what i can tell you is that at least based on my anecdotal evidence you are very quickly relegated to a bathroom but maybe that's just my experience (laughs) i i have two things as we get introduced here we're introduced this through uh, Kelly's film project. She's filming everything. And my takeaways from this early scene are, I don't know that I would call mom flighty here. I think the theme that we are getting is that Kelly lives in chaos. I would say like she doesn't have much structure, which is going to be uh, mirrored, uh, foiled by the environment she's going to enter. It, it is established that like mom doesn't cook very often. They're always going for takeout. She like she lives in a sort of unstructured uh, environment, probably go, go, go. She's living downtown. It's very like fast moving uh, and handoff between parents that are clearly got a bunch of stuff going on. And so I think that's really the foil. The one thing I'll comment that I think was really nice about this, I have lots to say about the parents, I think, in this movie, as I'm sure all of us do. But one thing I liked as a child of divorce is that this seems like a really healthy Mm co-parenting atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And and these parents clearly have a good relationship. Uh, You see later the dad being invited to have dinner. There's no animosity here. It doesn't seem like there's blame being put on, which is very uh, common in uh, divorced parents. And it's like, hey, this didn't work out, but we're chill. And Kelly is really being put forth, uh, which I I love as a, as a kid of divorce, saying it's awesome. The other comment I have on this is that as we're introduced, right before we get stepdad entering, um, there was this moment of, again, chaos and clumsiness where Kelly, while filming, backs into a goldfish bowl mm-hmm. and it begins to wobble to knock off. And I know it's in slow-mo, but three humans stand Forever. and watch this table I said wobble thing. seemingly for 25 seconds it was so and do long. nothing before it crashes to the ground and breaks with all the fish going everywhere and i was like somebody catch the ball like but you could yeah, easily as do it as it crashes they spring into action but i know had you also i gotta point out the fishbowl that she bumps into is on a singular like column in the middle of the room. <laughs> what a ridiculous it's not, spot. It's not like on a shelf somewhere. Really, it's in the way. A, it's like <laughs> literally in the center of a room. I, I find it hard to believe this is not the first time those fish have been knocked yeah. off their pedestal. Yeah. I I, uh, I agree. I, I just was like, somebody for the love of God, catch this fish. <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's like so... Kelly even like backs up to her parents. Like as yeah, she, she bumps it, she's like, oh no. And then steps away <laughs> yeah. from the bowl. She, she runs away from the problem that she caused. Turn around and, and grab it. And Not a big it. deal. And my favorite is like, she's like, 
Mom was like, I think you saved almost every fish. Mom, every fish's life is sacred. And I was like, what the fuck? It, yeah, it wasn't like, It wasn't a minute ago when you could have yeah. prevented trauma in these fish's lives. And yeah. and you literally did the opposite. You walked yeah, you away. you hid from it. Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. We have Joe, who is going to be called Sir, stepdad, enter the scene. And immediately as he enters the scene... Boy, you just know that they, Joe and mom, want to shag. Like, shag. there is palpable tension like that in one. that. Yeah. There's she, pal- I mean, she yanks him by the collar and yeah, pulls him <sighs> Get in here. Um, he, I also want to point out, he's played by Gary Cole, who's like a pretty famous actor to be in a DCOM. I think as kind of a, not main role. He's got that narr- He's got a narrator role on. I would yeah. say, like yeah. he's he's the guide for this yeah. military school experience, right? Like, I think this is the same as what we've called out prior. This hasn't been a trend through all of our decoms. I know we noticed it early, but um, this is similar to like bringing in your Debbie Reynolds to Halloween Town. Mm-hmm. I would exactly. say it felt comfortable with him present because I always knew that the scene was going to have somebody to drive it forward. Right, he's an authority like, figure in general. Exactly. Right, yeah, he was he was there at all the checkpoints that helped get the movie to its different plot progression sections. So that was nice. This again, opening sequence is only is here to introduce us to these characters and sort of the initial conflict, which is Joe and Mom are going to be getting married. They're not asking. Here's another thing that they outline uh, pretty overtly: they're not asking Kelly for her thoughts permission or otherwise though kelly feels obligated to give it and what they introduce is mom and dad or stepdad and mom are getting married and then they are moving those are the that 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 hits pretty close one by one not in the same scene but pretty close i gotta talk about the scene where kelly's mom tells her that they're moving because they're in a department store and they're trying on makeup and all these things at the beauty counter and i think Someone gave Hillary Duff the direction that she cannot walk, she can only twirl. Because for that <laughs> entire scene, anytime she is moving forward or sideways, she is twirling. And she ends up flip-flopping on what side of mom she's on the entire walk down the street. And I was like, for the love of God, stay. <laughs> Just walk. Like she, she would be driving me insane if we were walking down the street together or at the beauty counter together it was bonkers and i was like do they think twirling exudes like wacky zany art girl let me ask you this is this is i i i didn't notice it and this would be a level of detail that would be i don't know if impressive or I don't know if impressive, noteworthy, uh, admirable. Is the twirling meant to be antithetical to marching? I think everything that we're getting right now is yes, is my answer. Uh, Because she's about to march in formation with every step being exactly the same in straight lines on command. Is twirling, even the very way she moves, meant to foil the way she will move. Wow. Is, is Cadet Kelly this deep? I, it might be, uh, you know what? Let's I mean, give it the, why not? I guess like, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> also shout out to, uh, whoever 
filmed the street scenes because again i don't know if this was coincidence or if this was beautifully planned but after moms mentioned that they're going to be moving and they're going to go move to the country and kelly's not having it and she's like can i just live here by myself can i live at my best friend's house and she's like but i love my school it's going to be a bitch of a commute and then her mom's like, you're going to military school. And as soon as she says the words military school, somebody hits the brakes hard on the street. <laughs> so it goes, Aah! and I was like, <laughs> if that was on purpose, that was nice. Man, this this movie meticulously planned. I'm just uh, telling you. Beautiful planning process, production, direction. I think that this movie is very interesting because you've got a teenage girl that largely takes change very well Mm -hmm. like most tropes mom springs a marriage on you new guy entering breaking up girl time like breaking up not breaking up but adding in most movies would be like oh this girl is gonna lose her shit like you are she's gonna be i don't know jealous she's gonna be upset she's she doesn't really know this guy and kelly just is like no i'm glad you're happy man like, I, I'm happy for you. This is great. Big fan. Like, maybe she's got some shit on the inside, but, like, she's not expressing that. Like, largely very supportive of mom, right? And then, and then right after that, I don't understand the timeline of this film at all. Because, oh, I, I, spoiler alert, but there's going to be a baby announcement that's going to come up. And I'm like, how soon was all of these? Like, is mom already pregnant right now? Yeah, she like, must be. Yes, she's yes. got to be, right? She like, these, know, this moon but... seems to be happening in one month's time. Like, is the baby the reason they're getting married? Which, like, no shade, but it just, the timeline of this is crazy. I think they just didn't find out till later. Then, then they're like, okay, and you're moving. And not only are you moving, you're going into a military school. And that military school is a boarding school. Like, there is so much happening. And Kelly largely takes that shit in stride. Like, it is actually unbelievable. Like, yes, she says, uh, hey, I don't want to move. I'm not going to move, which is exactly how you'd expect anybody to react in this moment. But then even when she gets there, like she's pretty positive about the whole thing. Like I, I was actually pretty impressed with the response. Her entire like attitude throughout this of the relentless positivity, almost to a point that is saccharine. I was going to like that to me is unrealistic, but good honor, right? Like good honor for hand. We do get a break moment that she has later on down the road when shit Mm -hmm. starts hitting the fan, which I think is appropriate. Well-timed and endears you to that character. Mm-hmm. Um, if if not just okay with it, seemingly fucking thrilled <laughs> that all of this I, I is think happening. It's, it's to a, a level where she it feels like she's getting taken advantage of. Yes. If I'm being honest, like there's a level of this that I feel like is toxic from mom, and and like I will be honest, and you know here's some of my own bullshit. But th- mom says things like families live together families never leave each other behind like and while i think the intent of that is good it feels like 
sweeping generalizations mm -hmm. that can also be used to be like, hey, I know this is incredibly shitty to you that you're uh, a high schooler with a community and deeply engaged in all these things. And so I'm just going to use sweeping generalizations to completely change your life very quickly. Like, I, I think that there's a level of this that like Kelly is so okay with it that it feels like she's being taken advantage of sometimes. Um, and so I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest, but, uh, I, I think in general, it at least doesn't play on what I think are normal tropes for the teenage movie genre. Now, Max, I'm so glad you brought up the families don't leave anyone behind quote, because uh -huh. that, that tickles my ear as yeah. a quote well, from another Disney film. I'm yeah. sure both of you heard sure. that and thought Ohana. I did. Ohana means family and family means no one gets left behind. Now, I'd done some researching and Lilo and Stitch came out yeah. in June of 2002. So uh -huh. I'm not here to start conspiracy theories, but is it possible that Lilo and Stitch stole that from Cadet Kelly and then made it super famous? Mm. Mm. That there is no Lilo and Stitch without Cadet Kelly. Is that, mm -hmm. is that maybe our... Now, we were in Stitch, one of the animated films produced in Orlando, Florida. Correct. Mm -hmm. um, did they have a Cadet Kelly watch party in good old feature animation in MGM Studios? Yep, it was a late <laughs> night and wrapping up. And hey, somebody I've been that was there on a late night. Sorry, I, I, I didn't oh, mean okay. to cut you off. I, no, no, no. I thought, I, like, I, I, yes. Yeah. Did no, you watch good. Cadet Kelly? <laughs> the way that that ended, I was like, go on. And? No, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying uh, you know, it's very possible that some animator went to the Cadet Kelly watch party in the conference yeah. room and they had been tasked with, uh, you know, animating Lilo and really just trying to nail that character and uh -huh. heard that and thought, now that's something. It does sound familiar. Very of the early 2000 Disney uh, sentiment. Perhaps, perhaps there's a company-wide family push, uh, maybe inspired by 9/11. You know, uh, there. Yeah, you get a pretty big tone shift that's happening not only in the in the content that's being pushed in DComs, but also you guys remember the the commercials, not commercials. The sort oh, of sit down fireside chats with mm -hmm. these DCOM oh, stars. True. That happened in between um, where commercials would be mm -hmm. normally. It was just other. It was just more programming. Mm -hmm. This this feels like it has that tone to it. I have lots of questions around the production timeline of this movie and how it relates to September 11th. I have so many questions actually. Also, mm -hmm. I don't want to bum either of you out when I tell you that unfortunately. This is not the best Disney film that was released in 2002. Neither was Lilo and Stitch because the live action Country Bear movie came out. Oh, that oh year. my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I do incredible. remember that movie and that movie watched it at least one time. That movie, the main character Just is what? named Barry Barrington. <laughs> yeah, he is. God. <laughs> yeah, he is. God. And the entire thing is about the bear doing voice by Christopher Walken doing <laughs> armpit <laughs> fart noises. Uh, I remember that movie being insane. I don't totally remember why, but oh. um, I remember it being something. Um, yeah, absolutely. It would have been crazy. Okay, so we have Kelly. She is a new a new step parent. 
No choice in the matter. She has to move. No choice in the matter. She changes schools. No choice in the matter. Throughout all of this, remaining relentlessly and just unrealistically positive throughout this entire time. And she arrives at military school and is introduced to uniformity. And she has this very visceral response to that of like, there are no pictures on the wall. I can't express my individuality. I have to do like, I want to just be me and be da, 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 da. And she begins to express that in a number of different ways. I think the primary one that we get initially is her pulling out her rainbow blanket that she mm-hmm. wants to put on the bed to sleep. And her new bunkmate um, is like, that's Carla. Not, that's not a good idea. Like you don't want to do that. The, the captain stone is going to see this and it's going to be a problem. And you kind of have the other cadets gathering together, doing this little power of like you, this is the first expression of become part of the complex and lose individuality that starts out. And it's like, it's because of fear. They're like, captain stone's going to ruin it and it ruins it for everybody else. And da, 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 da. She's like, but I can be me. Da, da, da. And then captain stone enters the room. Christy Carlson Romano. Yeah, she does. It's a, it, we don't actually see her first. It's a lot of her boots. Yeah, we see her boots. A lot of boots. A lot of boot shots. Calls everybody to fall in. This happens frequently, right? This will happen multiple times throughout the movie, so we don't need to go over it again. But there's all those that, that like fall in situation in the bunk room. And you have Kelly in various stages of like just not being ready or being ready and something being amiss. This is the first time uh, where we get that relationship actually actually starting. And it's antagonistic off the rip. What's weird to me is that at this instance, Christy Carlson Romano is really bad about the rainbow blanket on the bed, but says nothing about the fact that she's wearing street clothes. Yeah. It, it feels like she just didn't get introed to this school at, at all. Like it, is, it feels like we skipped the part where they're like, all right, well, here's your uniform. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I thought the same thing because again, this timeline is weird because they're clearly moving her into military school. What in the middle of the year? Mm-hmm. Because you'd you'd think there would be orientation. Yeah, she like drags her suitcase across the grounds in civilian clothes, then is at the bed. And does she have a uniform? Did they give her a uniform? Does, does she know, know to wear the uniform? Like, yeah, exactly. There's been no intro at all. Which is made even weirder because stepdad is the principal. He's the commandant, commandant yeah. of the military school. So, like, how are you not going to have the stepdaughter of the commandant receive no introduction? You'd think if for no other reason than his own pride and not wanting her to embarrass him, that he would have taught her this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, just like, hey, don't embarrass me on my first week. Please wear the uniform. I mean, I guess they got to because... That's the movie, right? Is her her un, like her not knowing, her not being familiar with anything. But I think it's more interesting if she gets taught the stuff and then knowing the rules starts to bend them instead of mm-hmm. what seems like she just doesn't know. And so it feels like it makes Christy Carlson Romano, Captain Stone, look even more like an ass because now you're like, well, this girl just doesn't know anything. And so you're just being a jerk to her. And like, I know that there is this, there is a, a stereotype of like a drill sergeant or the uh, authority in military, like being really harsh and like aggressive and like keeping people in line. I get it. But 
when we have not seen her learn anything, now it just feels like you're you're holding her to expectations she is not even aware of. Which is, it's it's just wild. And from that, we get Kelly's new nickname, which is accompanied by sort of like sad horn noises in the background of Maggot. Mm. That is now her nickname and will be her nickname throughout the film with Captain Stone. Not a really great endearing us to the environment, you know? Yeah, it really makes us feel like this is a welcoming and fun place to be as a part of a team and or unit. Do you think that uh, Taj Mary's older brother is at this school? He might have graduated. Oh, now. interesting. In the in the DCOM U? I think we've... Mm. I think we got the name of his school, mm. but I think he might be in one of the competing drill team schools. Ooh. Oh. Wait, then, then that would There's mean, the way to connect them. Yeah. Yep. Then that would mean that Shia LaBeouf might have shown up in those too. And, and then Shia it was related LaBeouf. to Christy Carlson Romano. And even Steven's reunion... In the DCOM U. <laughs> Yo. Wow. Wait a minute. Wow. Or it's or it's their doppelgangers because, uh, you know, we know everyone has one. True. True. This could just be doppelgangers. Yeah. I did like, they do some good, um, we will see this, this bunk area. By the way, again, it is unbelievable to me that you are not just going to take a girl out of her home and out of her school, but then without telling her, enlist her in, I guess, a boarding school. I don't know what else to call it. I'm not super familiar with it, but like five days a week, she's living in this bed. And I think maybe only, I don't know if the other kids go home on weekends. She has a, she has a house on the grounds because her dad is coming up, but like, or her stepdad's coming up, but like, I don't know if the other kids are leaving on the weekends. It is unbelievable to me that she seemingly like did she even know that this is where she was gonna live like i am so confused they never talk about it by the level of change that this girl has gone through like oh now don't live with your family by the way families don't leave each other but you don't get to live with yours anymore like kelly is there and this actually this infuriated me and i i actually don't know why i've been thinking about it for a while because the voiceover in her head was like, it's my job to change this place. And I was like, no, it's not. Your job to do, you are a 14 year old child who has been forced into this situation without any of your consent. You are here because of everybody else's decisions. Why are you having to take on the burden of trying to change a complex that is just bigger than you are? It, like you cannot change the complex. You might be able to create interactions and unique, and unique relationships with individuals within it, which we see happen, but that does not therefore then change the entirety of the system that you're in. It just won't happen. Yeah. I, I, I don't know why that just hit me in a weird way. I think it's just a positive. I mean, it's, a, it's another positive outlook from Kelly on like, even in an establishment this large, I can show that like creativity matters, which ultimately she does have that impact, right? You can't take her away from that. Like by the end of the film, she has brought creativity and her point of view to the institution. And ultimately it has benefited positively because of that. Now, maybe not in the way she thought, but it's undeniable that she had that impact. We have this sort of bunk situation 
it plays out in a very similar way the following day where she wears a bunch of accessories out to uh, the initial call for the day where everybody is, is sort of bugled out of bed and then brought together in the, in the lawn. I have no idea what that'd be called. The lawn is how I'll refer to it. And then we get a very wild thing happen. And I just wanted to call this out and then we can move on. But it was just crazy. She takes, Kelly takes off all of her bangles, her scarf that she's worn on top of her uniform, tucks it in her hat and sets it on her head. Later, she will then throw a salute to Captain Stone. And she throws the salute in a normal way. Anybody would throw a salute. She's been learning how to do this. Like, this is something that nobody taught her about. But when she, when her fingers touch her forehead, her hat flips off from behind (laughs) and launches at Captain Stone. And I was like, wait, (laughs) how, how? How hats work. I like, did, a sp- I like a spring-loaded hat, personally. <laughs> how did this happen? That's how hats work. I, I, just, I just don't get it. But uh, the, I think the crux of the scene is we're introduced to Brad. Oh, oh he's such a dreamboat. Yeah. Such a dreamboat. Like, and, and we learn that Captain Stone is interested in Brad. How could you not be? Molly, I need to know more. Yeah. I, you said you had a huge crush on Sean Ashmore. Yeah. He is described as the cutest, the cutest boy in the world. That's I, I think that's a bit much. <laughs> I oh god, help me! Is this your introduction to Sean Ashmore? This film? You said you you clearly had a, an asphyxiation on him. I, I want to know where did this start? Was well, it X Men? Was it I, Bobby Iceman? I've never seen the X Men movies. Hmm. So you know, not, oh, not okay. That. Well, if you watch him, you'll see him. <laughs> um, I I didn't. You know, we can talk about this more in a little bit. But the first time I saw him was in a Disney Channel show called In a Heartbeat. Did y'all mm-hmm. watch that show? I know it's crazy. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> tell me more because it is about four high school students. Uh huh that are part-time EMTs. What? Oh. What? Actually actually administering medical attention to people in emergencies. Sort of Doogie Howser-esque, huh? (laughs) Because they are all, um, (laughs) they want to be like doctors when they grow up, I think is the plot, or in the medical Uh field. And they know this because they're like 15 and 16. Yeah. So they all have volunteer emts and they literally would go help on calls and he was one of them what and i mean a normal high school job right yeah yeah you get it Um, i'm also a part-time surgeon when i'm a senior in high school (laughs) and i'll never forget there was one episode about huffing <laughs> ah, a, a common topic. Okay. Uh-huh. That was a hey, big re- topic in the early 2000s. I remember I it coming any- up. Oh, yeah, I don't, remember, into, like- I don't know anyone that did it, but I remember it being an episode topic on that show on Seventh Heaven. There was like an mm-hmm. episode on like all the shows. A lot of aerosol cans becoming popular in the, I think in the it early was 2000s. On, uh, mm-hmm. Full House too. Like it's mm. it was a big problem. And I remember getting talked about uh, huffing. But yeah, that's like, the first Damn, these I cans saw. are a lot cheaper than drugks. Drugs. <laughs> like, 
Put a put a plastic bag over a can and huff that. I'm sorry, I can buy this can for way less than I can buy drugs. You can get off this in a second, but now we're on the topics. I have to say. Oh god. There's this guy on TikTok that is so funny, and he's like rewatching old shows from this time period, and he uh-huh. does recaps, and uh-huh. he's been doing a lot of Seventh Heaven, and he's like, y'all, this show is fucking wild and he did the huffing episode <laughs> and he showed the kids that were huffing and uh simon which was like one of the kids in the family was like i'm gonna turn you guys in and the tiktok guy's like bro look at their faces they don't need you to turn them in because <laughs> oh, all of them had like paint, paint all, all over, the over face. their face dude i remember <laughs> that being the thing as well <laughs> oh, i was God. like i don't i don't know I any huff but yeah i don't know that you end up with like blue streaks down your face that was absolutely the look i i don't know anyone that has huffed personally either but i remember that being the way they were portrayed on tv so maybe there is a uh an ounce of truth to it it, it was at least consistent yeah um, anyway that's where i bet him and i thought he was super cute on that show for legal reasons mammoth club nor zetus lapidus condones the use of drugs whether it is puffing paint cans or otherwise <laughs> thank you for our disclaimer i appreciate that unless it's weed because like come on legalize so, it yeah legalize it <laughs> so we have everybody sort of fawning over brad and kelly takes an interest in him as well because he's a cute boy and wants to show the confidence and they have this sort of this this is when kelly says to carla that she's like i'm gonna like i like brad he's a very cute boy i'm gonna try my hand too and then we have kelly in her classes and this sort of establishes her as a disruptive force. I just want to point out that Kelly says to Carlo something along the lines of, why am I so nervous around him? I've been in the room with actual rock stars like Sync, And I was like, yes, someone finally recognizes Sync as rock stars. I agree, <laughs> oh, Kelly. Because if I would call Sync anything, it would be rock stars. Hmm. Why has she been in rooms with actual rock stars like Sync though? Inexplicable. I have two. It's called the Georgia Dome. <laughs> I've been to a concert before. That's the same, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you technically are in the same room. Technically. But also with 10,000 other bodies. I know I mentioned this earlier, but Alan, I know you said we, we get her going to class. And yeah, she's like a chaotic force because she doesn't know. Apparently, she says that she was never... She never studied math? Yes, because they only made you do math when you felt like it. What That's the fuck canonical is that? about her, her <laughs> school? What? She never studied math? Like, what? <laughs> listen, if I only had to study math when I felt like it, I'd study math never. Like, what? I mean, listen, That's I not don't. True, Alan, you love math. Math is I'm magic. Not, I'm not totally against this school system, is what I'm going to say, because I don't use a ton of math in my day to day life, but. It is a wild thing for her to say is that she was never forced to study math. It's just making her out to be this. The, again, it's a square peg in a round hole, right? Like it's giving she stands Elle Woods out. at mm-hmm. the beginning of Legally Blonde when she first goes to Harvard mm. and has her like fluffy notebook and everyone else has a laptop. Yeah. And it also this is an important moment, I think, because she's in seemingly like a military history class. And this, the teacher says something and she's like, I'm a conscientious objector. And I'm like, how the fuck are you here? Do you, how, like, and also, how do you know that? You're 14. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you something. Tell. And 
this is rather timely for this film. And I wonder again, again, I wonder if this is made out to be a joke because of the timeline of this movie. But man, this film, there was talk about the draft coming back because post 9-11, I remember it all over the news about like the draft's going to come. And, you know, like that, that's not unique to this. It's, come, you know, that kind of talk has come around again. But I remember post 9-11 and, and that that was part of the conversation on the media. And that one of the ways that people were like, oh, well, if you don't want to get drafted, you got to go in and like claim this thing. And so I don't know if this was like a conscious thing or if it was said to like make her to make it bad because she's going to get, you know, she's going to find the positives of military school. I don't know. It's just weird to know that this movie came out after 9-11. And I, I am so curious the effect that that event had on this movie. Like maybe you tell me it was done and it had no effect but maybe it had a drastic effect. And I'm just, I wish I knew. I'm more curious than anything. It, it, uh, there, I almost want to say there's no way it didn't have some, maybe the script was done and they had to go in there and add some additional color to it based on the events of 9-11. But like the, just in how the tone of, and I'll just say it, just in how they approached the tone towards the military industrial complex in this, I'm just like, oh yeah, this feels... This feels like there is Absolutely. some sort of additional color given here. And we don't have to dive into that at depth, but like that is that it's, it, it is colored with positivity, but we have, and, and the reason I say it's colored with positivity is because all of the outside forces acting on Kelly in this initial scene, which is again, uh, the first third of this movie, probably a little bit more. The first third of this movie is designed to show you the audience, just how much Kelly stands out. And it mm -hmm. happens in things like the classroom. It happens in things like her learning how to salute and like Carla being her liaison and that, that person who sort of integrates her into what are the, considered the cultural norms of the space. And then you have her seeing not, not only in the military history class, but also in classes like the mathematics class where she doesn't even under, understand protocol of like when to stand and sit, right? The military protocols are odd. And um, goodness gracious, what, what I think got me is that Nowhere anywhere do they say that Kelly's dumb. In fact, Kelly is shown to be, when, a, when she applies herself, pretty intelligent. And I think what also got me here is I'm like, it feels almost as if they're like, gosh, it's so obvious. Why doesn't this person just understand this is how it is here? And I was like, because it's not. Because it's, we don't see anybody ever, other than Carla, trying to educate her on what's going on regardless neither here nor there we have two major beats that occur before we get to the lar uh, before we get to the obstacle course one is carla you get some hints of her sad backstory do we ever get her sad backstory though no nope, just get no. hints that carla has a sad backstory but we never actually yeah. pay that off which is kind of sad because i really wanted to know more i actually genuinely I, did want to know more yeah i, I think she's a great character i think it's she is just there even without the backstory to show that like to Kelly, this place is awful. And to Carla, it is a blessing, right? Like it is once again, just showing a different perspective from Kelly and making her the foil. Mm -hmm. And the second bit is we are introduced to the drill team. Is that what it's, is that what they're referred to as? I, I, I've mm -hmm. it's just sort of yeah. fallen out of my mind. Mm -hmm. And again, very early on in this film, you have Kelly slip in. I'm about gun control. 
as they are flipping these rifles. A wild said, thing to hear mm-hmm. in our current day. And I said, what? Did I just hear an O2 film? Hello? Well, okay. and, and I mean, the implied view on her saying that, right? Like, mm-hmm. Kelly is wrong, right? Like, Kelly, like, we are seeing Kelly, not necessarily wrong, I guess, but like, she's the outlier right. in everything. And her opinions are going to be changed. Uh, you know it's interesting. When you think about it, she learned that from somewhere because kids don't just know what gun control is and if right. they are pro or against gun control. She learned it from one of her parents. It's very possible it was dad because dad is very similar to Kelly. But I have to wonder if that's also how mom thinks, in which case it feels very weird that mom would marry this like very staunch military man that probably yeah. has very opposing views i guess i i also like i also wonder what gun control meant in 2002 Mm -hmm. because uh, quite honestly gun control like common sense gun control it's pretty bipartisan supported so like i for for people i would say maybe Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. anyway i would be curious even what the hell gun control meant in 2002 because we we can put our that through a lens in 2023 but like what did what did it even mean that she said i i support gun control in 2000 who the who the hell knows you know like and and what i can tell you is it's likely very different than what it is today exactly exactly i I imagine it's a pretty stark contrast just sort of understanding where we were as a country at that time too yeah i think probably stark but not that stark because the assault rifle ban that bill clinton signed expires two years later from this movie and it doesn't Mm. get renewed so i think it's maybe not as far off from now yeah maybe Hmm. but just just you know still we're putting it through today's society lens and it's just like few things like conscious objector and gun control perked my ears up a little bit totally so we have her watch the drill team and where we arrive next is she is being put through what is, I guess, considered a standard obstacle course where you have the climbing of a wall, rappelling, going under barbed wire, running through mud. It's just what you'd see on any army recruitment video of an obstacle course. If anyone listening has been in the military or to military school, I need to know if this obstacle course exists for real, because Hmm. I agree. This is the same obstacle course in every military movie I've ever seen from this to like very serious theatrical war based films like the mm. crawling under the barbed wire and the tire thing i need to know if that's real i feel like Let i've seen not exactly this but very similar in the michelle Carre, uh like i went through oh. a version of boot camp huh. so it's not this but it's like jumping over hurdles climbing the rope like doing the whole like she i watched her do it so i don't know that i saw barbed wire the Maybe. barbed wire thing is like seared classic. my brain as like yeah, classic. and of course it's going to rain oh Obviously. it has to rain it, not only does it have to rain we have to have Kelly faceplant in the mud caused by multiple the rain very early on just multiple just times full on eating mud the whole nine uh, as one would expect she does not do well uh, it's, she's, she's having a pretty tough time and she's like complaining about it the whole time in like kind of a funny way but probably would it be funny if you were there like she keeps being like 
she breaks a nail and then later she doesn't want to go down the rappel wall and captain stone comes up and she's like could you order me some takeout and like she's just like complaining about doing all of it the whole time which results in her just being left there like captain stone is like if you're if you are going to not complete this course and be a part of the unit and you're just going to stay you're going to stay here until you complete it and the consequence of that was established earlier where there's this dance that's going to occur that evening. So it's twofold for Kelly. One, she can't attend the dance that she wanted to attend that she helped pick out dresses for with her and Carla. And two, she's got to sit out in the rain. <laughs> well, God. first she she definitely repels down, not a stunt person. It's definitely 100%. her yeah. repelling yeah, down sure. the wall and like bangs into it a bunch of different times. Um, when I just wanted to be like, just go down the tires again. <laughs> go the other direction yeah. yeah just just go down and walk around it like they, they left her alone for a long oh, time a no one would have known but gloria would have known they like yeah they have her like bang down the wall and then uh christy carlson romano's like yeah congrats on finally getting down here you're gonna do it over and over again until you don't fuck it up mm-hmm and it's and she leaves Gloria, her second in command, in charge. Can I say Which one I, more thing about Chrissy Carlson Romano? It's so funny to me. I think this might have happened in the scene before, but it doesn't matter. At one point, Kelly salutes Captain Stone in kind of a smart ass way, mm-hmm. and Chrissy Carlson Romano, beautiful acting, has to like begrudgingly salute her back, and you can see in her brain like. I hate this girl. I want to punch her in the face, but also, damn it, I am a military woman right. and I will I must do this salute. salute. And she like very slowly and begrudgingly, like Dan yeah. Zuko at the end of Grease raising his arm, like raises her hand to salute Kelly. And I was laughing because I was like, oh, I could see the conflict. Mm, yeah. Good. I also, I, I, I understand that the punishment is on Kelly, but Gloria doesn't get to go to the dance either. Right. I thought the same thing. Ed Captain has- Stone's like, hey, like my second in command, your ass is out here in the rain too. That's so me because they set it up that they're friends. Mm-hmm. Which is like, what? That's you, so mean. And he, Kelly even acknowledges it to Gloria. Kelly's like, don't you want to be at the dance? And Gloria's like, I don't dance. Is that before or after she refers to Gloria as her slave driver? Oh my God. <laughs> That's another one that Whoa. tickled the old ears, and I thought it's not can't, not great. Can't say that. Nope. Can't nope. say that. I think that it was like a visceral just. <sighs> what also occurs in this? First of all, let me let me get this out of the way. I adore Gloria. I think Gloria is awesome. Gloria and yes, Carla same. as side characters, amazing. Yeah. What I didn't love is Kelly playing kid psychiatrist with Gloria. I was like, you can't, you are 14. You can't diagnose. She literally says, my unprofessional diagnosis is, I was like, nothing, nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> what are you doing? I, I feel like you don't like Kelly. I, I like Kelly. I just find her positivity unrealistic in this situation. It feels to me to be forced. Like I'm all for being positive, but like there's, there's so much here that's acting on you where I'm like, how, how is your brain not breaking from the different messaging that you have going on? I think Kelly is a likable character. I just think that there are certain things where I'm like, I, I, that just, I think I human. I think that I see her. I, I think I, I would maybe agree with you if I didn't see her fighting back or like giving resistance 
in other ways. Like my examples here are she she does like get in the way of uh, uh of oh my god Brad. She like cuts off Captain Stone on the way to Brad. She like flirts openly with him. Her intention is to sort of like insert herself at the ditch. She knows the Captain Stone's into this guy. She's like doing this to spite her a little bit. Like she's putting on the jewelry and whatnot. Like she is showing rebellion, but she's being positive in the face of a bad situation. I think if she was just like not showing any rebellion and falling in line, then the like positive stuff would be maybe a little bit more unbelievable to me, but she's like, no, I'm going to make them see. Like, I'm going to force my will upon this place. I, I am an agent of change, but I'm going to be positive while doing it. And so it doesn't feel unrealistic to me because you're seeing where that, like, energy is coming out. And in this instance, it's coming out in a way of, like, I'm going to convince Gloria that she has these traits and qualities that are not just that is not just a drill sergeant. Which, I, think, I think her end motivation is to get out of finishing the obstacle course and going to the dance. Right. And ultimately, that's unsuccessful. But what she does do is she's, she gets Gloria's help. Gloria is doing more than just standing and shouting. Gloria is now going, instead of shouting at her, says, here's how you do this thing. And she right. crushes it. Kelly is changed by Gloria, right? Correct. Like, Kelly comes in with the intent to like get out of it. Her rebellious nature is showing. And Gloria is being a leader, and is motivating Kelly. And this is where you start to see the shift in Kelly can be changed to fit into this, but she needs the right type of motivation. She needs the right type of like encouragement. And Gloria is that right type of encouragement that will get down and do it with her. That's what Kelly responds to not yelling, but like, do it with me, show me. And so she responds to Gloria positively and is willing to go toe to toe with her. I also think Kelly, some of the like, here's my unprofessional diagnosis and her kind of like, here's my to-do list. Like, and it's like these crazy gigantic things as adults mm -hmm. were like, Oh my God. I think that's like her 14 year old, like naivete and like optimism. The real world hasn't like beaten her down yet. So she, and for up until this point in her life, she's lived in this very like la la bohemian, like school that she doesn't even have to take math at. If I were to guess that school didn't even have grades. Like I'm sure it was just like very mm -hmm. willy nilly. So I don't find her like to be like toxic positivity or anything. I just see her as just like, having lived the exact opposite life of the military school so far. Mm -hmm. Ultimately though, she does complete the course, which results in her careening down a hill <laughs> I love into the dance. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Gosh, darn it. Wouldn't you guess she plows headlong into Captain Stone covered in mud. Sure does. And Ruined of course, Captain Stone's wearing a white dress. Of yeah. course she is. Yeah. Well, it's She's her wedding. Wearing She's wearing her first communion dress. <laughs> her first communion dress. Why, why other than to be covered in mud would you wear a white dress to this event? Like Debutante ball. First communion. Mm -hmm. Bridesmaid. Uh, oh. Uh, 
She, she this de- dance. She doesn't look good in red or blue, but she wants to be patriotic. Oh, oh I like that's my favorite. I, I think that's the that's the winner right there. All right there, you go. Yeah. Oh, and she is decidedly pissed at oh, the situation. She should be pissed that her dress got messy, but she should also be pissed that everyone at the dance laughs and points at her because uh-huh. Kelly got her dress dirty. <laughs> everyone. That's crazy. Even Including Brad. the guy she's there with. Brad is the worst. Like, <laughs> why does she like this guy? He's an asshole right I, here. I gotta say, it's been a minute since we've had a classic point and laugh, and uh-huh. I missed it. I missed it. Oh. it. It was like, man... He over and over, like, shit happens to her, and he just keeps being like, damn, that was hilarious. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's horrible to you. I, I feel like he never really liked her back. I think that's got to be right. I oh. think she, like, had a big crush on him, but he was always just like, okay. And this is when the escalation starts, because with her bruised ego, now Captain Stone is out for out to find something on Kelly. And on the next inspection... She finds that Kelly has her blanket sort of stuffed haphazardly into the bed. That can't, that can't fly. Pulls out the blanket, tears it to pieces. Pretty too far, man. Kelly. Too far. She is not an ally. No. <laughs> God. I responded to that and then processed it. <laughs> That's all I could think. I tell, me, tell, me, tell me that blanket doesn't look like a pride flag. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. And so the visual. Once again, up, was this a real choice that was made? Like, I hope not. But uh, No, I think that was just like Kelly loves color and what's like yeah, the yeah, most yeah, colorful yeah. thing we can give her. But I just the visual of her ripping up that blanket looked like ripping up a pride flag. Totally, totally. Like, oh God, yeah. that was mean, though. I, it was you mean felt for Kelly. You felt for yeah. Kelly there. Well, it's just like that's the one thing she's got, man, and she's been hiding it too. And mm-hmm. here's the, here's what actually killed me. It's not so much that the is the tearing up in front of it in front of her bad. Yes, that's bad. But what makes it like drives it home even more is that night she's still sleeping with it. Mm. Like she's still got the torn up blanket draped over her mm-hmm. on bed, and I'm just like. Oh no, that visual is really upsetting. Yeah, like, that's not great. I just am not sure how I am an audience member am supposed to feel because there's very little good that's happening to Kelly in this environment. You have moments of brightness. You have Carla. You have Gloria. But there's very little good that's coming out of this environment. The way she's being treated, the the way she's being, you know, her personal belongings are being torn up. And maybe it's all coming from one source. And so maybe my anger, my my frustration should be focused at Captain Stone. But Captain Stone feels like a representation of of right. Like it, it doesn't feel like she's an outlier. It feels like she is the model of, well, of uh, it, that is being held up. Right. And so for then Kelly to ultimately sort of change her viewpoint and become a prospering member of this environment, I don't know how I'm supposed to feel as an audience member. It's, it's just so interesting because, I mean, to your point, right, continuing along the escalation pathway, Kelly then goes and paints Captain Stone's hair the same rainbow pattern with some sort of plastic paint that, Dries and is a, is a hard, hard ass, glossy shell <laughs> on the back of her head. Um, I, how did 
did she paint it like that? Wasn't I? I wasn't her head on her pillow? It was. Yep. Oh. Yeah, that would be tricky. It was the hair directly behind her skull. Sure was. She would have to like pull it out from Mm -hmm. like, which would wake her up. Also, uh, let's just let's just assume that it happens, right? Let's go through this. Let's go through this logic exercise, shall we? Let's assume she is able to pull the hair out. She's then got to get it back under there because of the pattern of the hair, right? It, it's pattern and it's pressed to her head is what I'm saying. That hair is pressed oh, and conformed to the yeah. back of Captain Stone's head. It's not like if she had, even if she had her hair like out over the bed frame, which right. would be very convenient, mm-hmm. it then would get shelled sticking out from her head. Correct. Yeah, any girl that has uh, put wet hair into a ponytail holder knows the situation because your hair cranks into the ponytail mm. shape. But, but okay, so she's, she somehow manages to slide the pattern of, of paint without disrupting the rainbow, right? Yeah. It's still perfect. Back it doesn't under make the pillow. any sense. Maybe CCR is a very heavy sleeper. Maybe. Mm. Mm. Maybe. She's I mean, got you'd have melatonin, to be in that setting. like, in her bunk. Mm. She took some uh, melatonin and passed out, and here she is. Okay, so her, her head is a rainbow uh, helmet, effectively. Only from the neck down. She wakes up, has the discovery as once more, everyone is laughing at her. Mm-hmm. She gets laughed at a lot. Maybe this is how she became the villain. This is her Joker arc. Maybe this has happened multiple times. She's had on her on her path to cadet captain. Kinds of rainbow. She hair. is the laughing stock and has risen to power. Ooh, that's it's not a good villain good. story. It, it is. Captain Stone gives Kelly a court martial. She does. And it's at this point where you realize that Captain Stone knows exactly who Kelly's fa- stepfather is. And just doesn't care. And at the court martial proceedings, with a with a jury of her peers of other cadets, they read off just a litany of charges. Some of which are just like she's not understanding decorum in class. Which I'm like, who is keeping this? L-? I mean, this is a long list of demerits. She she collected them all before she brought oh. the book at her. Yeah, I mean, she she had it all on lock, and ultimately. The And this is another, sort of to both of your point, Kelly's sort of naivete of like, I was justified in my actions, therefore nobody will find me guilty for them. Mm-hmm. Which, like, you actions can be justified all you want. If you're, if you're violating a rule set, you're going to be found guilty of guilty. something. Guilty. That is all. That, that is all. all. Mr. Toad found this out the hard <laughs> way, too. And then he went to hell. Um, That's right. You see, Kelly didn't really have such bad circumstances after all. <laughs> she wasn't if she had in just, literal hell. If she had just ridden Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, she would not She would know. know. She'd to understand. Avoid all these yeah. yeah. And uh, she's found guilty by Jerry Rapiers, and her decision for punishment is brought to her stepdad. And you get a, I think right before this, you get a cutaway scene to her at home. And this is when, this is when Kelly gets her like come apart moment. This is also when. We, well, I think it was a scene before. It doesn't matter. Uh, we learned that mom's pregnant. Mm-hmm. And once again, Kelly's like, cool. We're having yeah, a baby. Very supportive. Like, yeah. And again, the trope would be if you're 14, 15, and your mom's going to have another kid with a new guy, normally you'd be like, what the fuck? But again, she's like pretty chill. And I remember thinking like, 
her mom should be nicer to her because she's not outwardly mean, but to Max's point, like she's doing mean things to her daughter by putting her through this experience that she in no way wanted. Kelly, and I think you said it well, Kelly not only supports her mom, but the voice over there goes above and beyond and takes it a step further. And it's like, it's now my responsibility to make sure that my stepdad can do fatherly actions because I haven't seen it right now. And I'm going, Ooh, holy cow. Like what is, what, what is this familial relationship situation we have going on? And the, the, so the whole court martial sequence comes to a head. Kelly feels like a failure. And this is the only time we see Kelly really stand up to her parents. And she's like, I didn't, you didn't ask me if I wanted this. I'm just here now. And she dart. That's all we get. That's the only sort of time that we see Kelly ever push back to her mom in a way that's not positive in this, in this circumstance. Mm -hmm. I wish we had seen more of it. Like, I think that's where I'm coming from as I want Kelly to stand up for like, no, you've got a voice in this too, as opposed to this relentless positivity, which to me is just like, that's just unhealthy and not going to serve you well. Like if you're put into these situations where you're being forced to do things that you don't want to do in the future. But yeah, this is the scene where I really turned on stepdad. Um, and I, and I need to talk about him for just a second because it's in the court martial moment. We are at home. We see stepdad talking to mom and he's like, I have to enact punishment. I, I Kelly's in trouble. And he's like, I have been waiting all of these years to get this position. My dad had this position. My pride is on the line. And mom's like, well, be hard on her, but not that hard on her. And he's like, I have to look out for me and my career. And I have to do what is important for me and this position. And I was like, oh, got it. He doesn't give a fuck about her. Like, Everything that has happened is about him and his career. And mom has made decisions that have affected Kelly just to support this dude. And then when you get the punishment that he enacts, he assigns her to be on the drill team. Why does he do that? Because Kelly talked shit about the drill team earlier to him and he was on the drill team and his ego was bruised that maybe any human would not find the drill team to be an impressive thing when it's like one of the things he's most proud of. How dare you, Kelly, not find my team impressive and therefore your ass is going to be on the drill team because you have to take it seriously and I will enact my will upon you and make you appreciate it. And I was like, dude, I hate this guy. It's so funny. It and let's take it a step further. She's not even really on the team. She's the equipment manager. She's that's what he, that's what he tells her. He's like, mm-hmm. you get a scut job. Exactly. He actually says what I think is the meanest thing he says though, is he's talking to the mom and he's like complaining about Kelly. And she says something like, one teenage girl isn't going to bring down the like hundreds of years of the military. And he goes, I used to think that until I met the one teenage girl who could. And I was like, bro, like, right. That's rude. But also you're talking to her mom. And what made me mad is that her mom didn't defend Kelly in that stance. How many of these GCOMs ago was it when we were talking about how we were tired of shitty dads and passive moms that don't do anything? Mm. Because here we are again. And not only do we have one shitty dad, we have 
two shitty dads. Ah, 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 ah. Like double the trope. Like, and the second dad loves his daughter is very supportive of her, but damn, if he isn't absent as hell, like God, it's, it, uh, then here's the, and I'm gonna jump ahead and we can come back to it. But Kelly down the line has the fucking audacity to be like, I've got two great dads. I'm like, where? <laughs> <laughs> Off screen? Because <laughs> these ain't it. Yeah, I just couldn't. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. I am also a single child uh, of divorce. And if someone said something half as mean about me, as that man said about Kelly to my mom, there would be blood. Like there would be no shot. My mom would just be like, oh, okay. Like that is so mean. And the fact that she doesn't even say like, hey, that's my daughter and your stepdaughter you're talking about. Like that's too far. Like quit being a stick. Especially consider they just got married. Literally like, are they married? Is this after the wedding? I don't know, actually. Like, it's it like is, this has all think... happened in the last month, seemingly. I think we can rely on the fact that Disney wouldn't have her get pregnant if they weren't married. Oh, probably so. Yeah, that's, that's probably so. That's probably true. I'm also, I, I think I finally figured out. You asked me earlier if I don't like Kelly. I don't dislike Kelly. I think I finally figured it out. I've, and this is, I'm not going to get into my own shit too much, but boy, am I figuring out that the reason why this makes me super uncomfortable is because of my own shit. Like Kelly is doing stuff. That's not her job. She's, it's not her responsibility as a 14 year old child to teach her stepdad how to be a dad. It's Mm. not her responsibility as a child to change the military industrial complex. That's not her gig. She cannot be the only beacon in a, in a dark system to go in and change it. And the fact that she takes on ownership and onus in a way that is like, consistent and constant like i and she says it all the time i have to do everything i have to do is like i that resonates with me in a very unhealthy way and i'm like i and i'm watching it play out on screen I'm like this you're set up for failure like what's gonna mm-hmm. happen is like you're set up to fail and i don't like that the premise of this film is you're forcing that job or jobs or responsibility or obligation on a 14 year old like that's just not something that you should be doing to a kid well, I don't I don't know that the premise of the film is that I actually think the film wants the takeaway to be I don't have to do everything, but I don't think it does a good job like because I think ultimately the takeaway is like she joins a team. She finds success with the team. I can rely on my teammates, but it has people that represent authority figures that are bad examples, right? That are unreliable that let her down that don't like fight for her that she can't lean on and so i i don't know that that's the premise of the film but i think that it is ultimately kind of where the film goes because it it, even the people that she wants to lean on are are unreliable for her to be able to do that with and it's just yeah exactly No, no no notes exactly I mean, even uh, this is a huge spoiler, but even when she finally div- like builds a relationship with the antagonist of this movie and finds a teammate that she can rely on, that person leaving. Like, yes. there's like, it's not only uh, here's the that, that, uh, they're they're leaving. <laughs> not only are they leaving, but like minutes before, literal minutes before, you show Kelly showed one singular action of like descent of going against the flow and it was right back to square one 
Yeah, like that's it, true. It, it's just this very strange thing where I'm like, this poor girl is, is being set up for so much failure and maintaining yeah. this pot. Like, it feels like a, an unhealthy weight for a child to bear. Anyway. Yeah. I, I know those things aren't her responsibility, but what should be Hillary Duff's responsibility is reaching out to fellow decom actress and colleague Kimberly J. Brown and teaching her how to cry. Ooh, facts. Because mm. Hillary Duff nailed it. She nailed yeah. the cry. She crushed. That was a great Believable scene. Believable crying. Believable yeah. anger. And all I could think about is Marnie's horrible fake scrunchy mm. face but not actually crying. And I thought yeah. Hillary Duff should give lessons at Disney Channel Studio. <laughs> yeah. Hillary, just call up Hillary. She'll teach you how to do it. We were at the She's drill joining team. the drill team. Joining the drill yeah. team. She's doing scut. She's scut work. Playing, She's cleaning the the belts and the boots and the doing the spit polish. Sp- spit on it. Ugh. Hawk a loogie on and that boot. Spit like a man. <laughs> right on that there boot. Well, Titanic and reference for those of you who picked up on that. I did not, but nice. Wow. Suddenly, almost as if by cinematic magic, Kelly is now interested in the art of drill team because she sees sure it is. differently now. Okay, I'd like to bring up a point first, though. Sure. Before you get into that. First, she's cleaning and she's singing. Mm. And she's like singing to, I don't know what I've been told, but she's like making up her own words mm-hmm. and they're like talking shit about Captain, Captain Stone. Stone's heart is cold. And Brad loves it. He He's loves like, it. <laughs> Funniest thing he's ever heard. Dude, he's such a this so dude's bar mean. is low. By the way, because it's not particularly inspired lyrics. Let me tell you. I don't even know that they really rhyme. Like a couple words rhyme, but like it's not great. And I thought to myself, Hillary Duff can and has done better with singing. So I had to look it up because one of the albums that I wore out in my boombox was Metamorphosis, mm. Hillary Duff's debut album. Now that came out the next year in 2003. And on that album okay. was a song called Come Clean. Mm-hmm. You may know it. I don't. I don't. I don't know it. Let the rain fall down. Oh, I don't know oh, this song. Oh, I do yeah, know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do Let know this song. Yeah. Retracted. Yeah. Sanity. Because I want to feel that. It was the uh, the song they used on Laguna Beach. They sure did. And because this was in the early 2000s, when you release a sweet hit single, you also make a music video. Mm-hmm. And Hilary Duff was, of course, in the Come Clean music oh, video as herself. I, I understand where we're going. Now. Oh, oh, yep. <laughs> yes. And that music video is directed by Dave Myers, uh-huh. who is a legendary music video director. I'm talking, uh-huh. he has worked with Britney, uh-huh. Ariana Grande, uh-huh. Harry Styles, uh-huh. Taylor Swift, uh-huh. Kendrick Lamar, uh-huh. Ed Sheeran, uh-huh. Aerosmith. Oh! Oh wow! We're going okay. the music. The oh, this is so meta. I love. I'm it. impressed. He, I love it. He directed the Girls of Summer music video, uh-huh. which of course is an Aerosmith song. Yeah. Now, if I said Aerosmith song, mm-hmm. to you, what song would you think of? Jaded. Mm, I know you have a thing about Jaded. <laughs> Alan, God you have a favorite Aerosmith song you'd like to share with the class? <laughs> My, my, baby blue. 
Ragdoll. Ragdoll, a good one. Let's go again. <laughs> yeah, you're so jaded. Oh, we're just stuck on jaded. Another one that jaded. You. Uh, we could do something like Love in an Elevator. Love in we an could Elevator. Do, dude Look Like a Lady. We could do... One of my faves. Um, Don't want to miss a thing. Don't oh! want to miss a thing. Wow. I got such a deep cut. The number one song, the soundtrack to the smash hit, Armageddon. Ah. Well, we went through the song that's playing in your ears right now, listeners. Yeah. Don't want to close my eyes. Sound just like Stephen Tower, honestly. Yeah, you thought he was here. Um, Now, Armageddon stars Bruce Willis as Harry Stamper. We haven't talked about Bruce Willis in a while, so I wanted to talk about him. And I wanted to bring up that he plays the titular role in a film called The Jackal. Mm -hmm. Also in The Jackal, playing Lamont, Jack Black, who has quite recently tickled our hearts and our ears with his peaches peaches, song. peaches 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 that song peaches. That, that, the song's good the movie bangs i just well, need you to know to we're gonna talk about it because he plays bowser in the new he super sure mario brothers movie where non-italian non-plumber chris pratt yeah voiced mario mm. he did mm-hmm. now chris pratt's been on a lot of things but he will forever in my heart be andy dwyer from parks and recreation there's a lot of characters on Parks and Recreation, including Tammy One. Mm. Tammy One, Ron Swanson's first ex-wife named Tammy, calls her a cold-hearted bitch multiple mm. times. Uh, mm. She's played by Patricia Clarkson, who also starred as a, a, I would say, equally terrifying woman in Sharp Objects, which mm. is a, a, a Gillian Flynn novel. She's also who wrote Gone Girl. She plays the mother, Adora Krellin, in that film. Uh, and Reagan Pasternak plays a kind of side character named Katie Lacey. Uh, I believe this was an HBO or a Cinemax made hmm. for TV. And if you're into a thriller, check it out. Recommend it. But this isn't the first time I saw Reagan Pasternak because she starred as Val Lanier which was one of our teen EMTs in in a heartbeat. And we've already talked about it. She starred alongside Sean Asmore, Ashmore, Asmore, Asmore, Sean Asmore, who played Tyler Connell in that show. And of course is Brad in Cadet Nice. Spit on it. You've been Armageddon, the part of the show where Molly, by no one's urging, has found yet another way this decom can be tied to the smash hit Armageddon. Don't tell her to stop because she won't. Here's a random fun fact, and then we'll get back to the movie. Max. Yeah. I was watching TikTok. This is about peaches, 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 peaches. Okay. And they did a breakdown of the chord progression of that song to Rick Astley's Never Gonna Get Up. Yeah, I saw it too. Beautiful. I was like... I love that Jack Black rickrolled us. Yeah. It makes me happy. Pretty clever. Yeah, very clever. All right, sorry, neither here nor there. Once sorry, again, right. I wonder if he did it on purpose. I hope so. You gotta know he probably did. Uh, hmm? Anyway, uh, Kelly sees the drill team as art now. Yeah, yeah, that's where we were. <laughs> Kelly sees the drill team as art. And specifically how, like, she begins thinking about how she can offer 
improvements to it, things that she might be able to do. Uh, they go to a, a showcase of the drill, of the drill team where they do both armed and unarmed uh, movements throughout. Mm-hmm. You can see her with, with, as the camera pans to her face, actively learning all the different situations. Uh, and then after those scenes, there is an interaction between Captain Stone and Brad where Captain Stone's like, we got to tighten it up and execute better. And Brad is like, no, fuck that, you idiot. Uh, we have to be creative and individual. And I was like, Brad hates Captain Stone. Like, if it's I think over that's and right. over again. Don't you wish that there was a plot twist? Disney Channel would never. But this reminds me of a similar plot point in Friends where um, Joey and Ross are fighting over a woman only to find oh, out she's yeah. a lesbian. I would yeah, love yeah, yeah, yeah. if this ended with Kelly and... Christy Carlson Romano fighting over Brad to only end with him being gay. I am happy that seemingly it, it ends with neither one of them ending up with him because right. even whether it's CCR, like we don't know what's going to happen with Kelly, but like she didn't end up with him and CCR is leaving. So she's not going to end up with him. I, I, I think I'm happy that like, seemingly there's not a romantic end to this I, movie. It's it's thank God. I actually thought they were kicking out CCR to set up, Kelly being able to be with Brad so that it wouldn't be like treading on the newfound Mm -hmm. friendship because it wouldn't make sense for whatever. But I agree. I'm glad there's no romantic ending. I just think it'd be really funny if the two of them were fighting over him the whole time. And in the end, he's like, have you guys met my boyfriend, Tyler? Totally. (laughs) Totally. Would be very good. Um, I do just want to quickly, I'm good with speed and by it, but I do just want to quickly say the, the Rahway high school drill sergeant is the Michael Jordan of drill team. Like, I don't know anything about it, but that dude is just like popping off. Like I loved him. I like unbelievable, uh, comparing him to literally everyone else, what he was doing. Like they're like throwing rifles at him and he's like blind catching them. I was like, damn, okay. Pop off King. Like you're crushing. It's great to watch the people who had like actively done these types of drills before and were good at it versus those who are extras. I know. It was like actors on one team and then actual drill people that are on the other team. You're like, oh, I do see a difference. I think it's because they shot this at a military school. I think it was in Canada. Because, so they were like, hey, students, get in here and I'm, do the thing. Oh, I'm sure they got real drill teams to come in and do it. But yeah. I wanted to. I wanted Brad when he was yelling that uh, Cap- when Captain Snow was like, we need to be better. And then Brad's like, no, we just need to be no- like, we need swag. That's what they need. Mm-hmm. It's like they need some fucking drip and they need some swag because mm-hmm. they're lame. And, <laughs> it's you know, like, and you know who's got drip and swag and spades? Kelly Collins. Kelly Collins. That's right. Well, because she does that amazing impromptu <laughs> dance number in the in the locker room that he is so enamored by that he says, please do that again. He actually says, that's an order. And I was like, oh. (laughs) Oh, is it? I just have to know. Uh, Maybe that one's not the example, but in just a moment, we're going to see Kelly Collins and, and Captain Stone do an impromptu disarm off in the quad. (laughs) Oh my God. It is, it is, they, they they go at each other with growling and and dance moves and Brad stops and 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 is like that is what we need and I just wondered when the two of you watch this is the response that you had watching that to think that is what they were missing 
is, is that routine. <laughs> you know because what? The idea that Brad would stop what he's doing and turn and say, that's it. Watching <laughs> this routine is, is truly baffling to me it's baffling i think i I don't i listen i don't know what you weren't seeing max i think it had it all i think it had intensity i think it had grit i think it had some uh as molly has so eloquently put it drip as we if anything has had swag (laughs) it's just so confusing that like also, can we just talk about how that that step off in the middle of the quad escalates from like actual step to interpretive dance? Like it just it, wild. there's a point where it just takes a, a suspect left and we are into a different sort of genre. Kevin Stone quite literally goes at one point. <laughs> it, it is um, the whitest thing I've ever seen. That's right. Correct. That's pain- correct. It was painfully Caucasian, and you're just like, like, I was wow. like "Oh my god!" Neither of you have. It was them. <laughs> spoken as a man that's been white his entire life. It was too much for me. <laughs> Even I was like, "Ooh, wow. <laughs> ooh, boy!" Yeah, I, I know that I, I've been that far before. That's um, God. It was just bad, but it, you know what? Brad loved it. <laughs> he did love it, and you know who else what loved is that uh, I skipped over a moment where Kelly. Audition. We can come back to it if you think it's important. But she auditioned to join the drill team fully once again, coached by Gloria. Mm, Once again, Gloria stepping up as a leader, showing not just yelling. She shows Kelly. She she guides her along the way. She teaches her how to spin a rifle, and Kelly is put on the team. And her stepdad finally tells her he's proud of her because she did the one thing that he sees value in. Also, the timeline of this movie makes no sense. We have seemingly already entered the drill competition season. Mm -hmm. Why the fuck are we holding auditions in the middle of this? No idea. We already had a competition. It's... I don't get it. I don't get it at all. You, you're exactly right. Because the first part of this movie, the first third, takes place over a week. And then somebody hits the accelerate button and we've been there for eight months. Because when we see mom again, she is very pregnant. That's true. Like she is about to pop. The only explanation is in fact that mom was knocked up earlier and wasn't mm. showing for a while. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying like, we had a competition, they then hold auditions and then they have like the semifinals. And I'm like, why would you introduce new people into the team? The only, the only explanation I could give is that they went to that first exhibition, they got shown up and then they were like, we're desperate, we need new blood. And they have an impromptu or off cycle tryout to try to bring something. Cause when you lose, what you need is new people. It'll make you better. And uh, so they do like an off cycle tryout I agree, to bring new pro- blood in. It's probably beneficial to spend your time teaching the new people what everyone else on the team already knows. Right. Versus instead getting of better. Working on new skills with right. the people. Yeah. Back That's to right. basics, I say. Yeah, and it, it's got to be a spread out timeline because it's either Kelly Coll- Gory is an amazing teacher, and Kelly Collins in in five days is as good as everyone on that team, or better, or better. Really? Which maybe they they either suck or she's incredible, uh, or it takes place over the course of several months. It's a very confusing timeline in this movie. I don't, I can't follow it to save my life. We have all this montage occur. 
let's let's just go ahead and assume in good faith it takes place over months, right? Let's just let's just assume that's how this takes place because the next scene that we have is now dad, actual dad is back in town, and they're coming over for dinner, and they make it a point to say it's dinner that mom actually cooked. There was no takeout involved. Mom very pregnant. Stepdad still there, and dad and there's like this. The, the family seems to get along, which is nice. That's still a thing that's intact and good to see on film. And we have the entire purpose of this is to have dad say, hey, I want to be at your thing. You volunteered for this drill. Like, I'm, I want to be here to watch. Set your clock by it. I'm going to be there at 11. Oh, and even better, I've got this local filming gig, so I'm not going to be called away again. Mm hmm. That's all this scene is for. So everybody in the family unit can hear that dad is going to be there. Mm -hmm. We now jump to, boom, we jump to the competition. And I'm going to pause. There's a plot line that I did not, it's not even a plot line. There is this action that occurs that I don't know if it makes sense to me. So I'm going to, you know, throw it to both of you because maybe it helped me here. We have Kelly's old friend, from her previous school show back up. This is just forced. I don't know why mm -hmm. this is at the end of this film. It I doesn't make any sense. And Kelly's like, my best and closest friend. And now Carla's feeling hurt because she's watching this unfold. And I just didn't know why, why they, we got this. I don't know why they had to shoehorn in the jealous best friend plot in the last 15 minutes of the movie. And the parallel is going to be you can have two dads, and so you can have two best friends? That's Except what they were trying to it say? It doesn't work because the dads have never been at odds. I don't understand this plot point even a little bit. Because you're right, that is the plot, but like, or that is the parallel, but the dads have always liked each other. It would make much more sense if new dad and old dad resented each other, and then, spoiler alert, when new dad takes Kelly to save old dad. It's a bigger sacrifice because like he doesn't even like that guy and he's risking his neck for him. But no, the two of them have gotten along like swimmingly the entire time. Mm -hmm. It's it, well, thank you for confirming my suspicions of like, I don't know why that's here, but we have in the, in the end of this film, Kelly causing strife in her relationship with Carla. We then get to the exhibition Dad isn't there yet. We make notice of this in the stands. And the first round of this is inspection, which I gathered is a pop quiz where, where a sergeant shouts questions at you and you must respond in proper military protocol. That is inspection, mm -hmm. which this group has with flying colors. At the end of inspection, by the way, some of the questions are like, what do the stripes represent on the American flag? Like the patriotism is high. Mm -hmm. in this section this is probably real i assume i assume I this no is actually idea. how these competitions work no. i don't know why i don't know why they wouldn't do that also they had like a bunch of background actors answering questions and uh drill starts drill sergeants asking the questions and i'm 99 percent sure that hillary duff voiced some of the background <laughs> actors because oh. her voice is so recognizable and i was like oh she's getting asked the question but then it the camera panned on her and she hadn't been asked a question yet and i was like mm -hmm. oh okay we're just using her audio got mm -hmm. it at the end of inspection they pass the flying colors 10 out of 10 hell yeah crushing and 
Dad still isn't there. And Kelly's phone rings, which I thought in that moment, hmm, if that had happened during inspection, I feel like bad things would have occurred. I was right because Captain Stone and Brad are being like, hey, if that had happened, we would have all been disqualified. Yeah, big risk. But even more disturbing is, picks up the phone, dad answers, then it cuts suddenly. The, the yeah. Phone cuts. There's a lot about what's about to happen, and the whole thing with the phone doesn't make any damn sense at all. Like, most of the tension could be released with any people talking to one another. It's unbelievable the lack of communication that happens in this movie. Because, yeah, also, why is mom not holding the phone? Like, mom also likes dad. It's not like mom doesn't like dad. Just give mom the phone so that she could answer if dad's not having a hard, like, if dad is having a hard time finding the place, wouldn't mom need the phone? Like, it doesn't make any damn sense at all. Yeah. And, and she continues trying to cover up, she being Kelly, continues trying to cover up her distress, which she, we've already figured out she's not good at. And when stepdad comes to inspect the regimen, he sees Kelly in distress, calls to the side, and they have this conversation where Kelly is like, hey, I just get the sense that my dad is in danger. He would always call me. It, it felt like a little bit of an elevated, just trust me, bro. And stepdad, to his credit, was like, all right, I know where he is. Let's go find him. And yeah. tells no one. But then Kelly's like, no, sir, I, I want to stay and like help my team out. And he's like, do you want to go check on your dad? And she's like, this cadet will, will make her team proud. And I was like, oh, Kelly. Mm -hmm. Oh, Kelly, you sweet, sweet angel. You sweet, changed angel. You now care more about these fake rifles and snapping than you do about your dad, and that is so different from you. And people that were mean to you. Like, I don't know. Very mean, and will be mean again. This part did kind of get me teary, though. I'm not going to lie. I think that what got me most is her being like, I don't want to let... This, this got me in a weird way, if I'm being honest. Not in like a, in a sentimental, emotional way, but it was when she was like, I don't want to let you down to the mm-hmm. stepdad. I was like, oh, this is like so much, mm-hmm. so much forced emotional like to, weight there. To his credit, when she says that, that's when he's like, we're going to go. Like, I yeah. think that's to his cre- I, I agree. I agree. I th- to his credit. I think that's what breaks him is like, she's going to do this thing that she doesn't want it like she's literally scared and yeah and she and i get me down i get the tension of like you care a lot about this thing you've invested in you're on a team you're on a whatever like and who knows dad could be fine i just have this gut feeling i totally understand the tension so i don't mean to like overplay that it feels weird but again this is i think one of the failures of the film is that most of these examples of the other folks other than Carla, who's not on the team. Mm -hmm. Most of these examples of the other people she's associating with are them not being nice to her. And so it's hard other than Gloria. Gloria is the, I think exception is like, you don't have a lot of people that you feel like she's letting down that have been there for her. You have people that either are neutral because we haven't seen them engage or are negative toward her. 
And so it's hard to be like, oh yeah, she's really letting down people that have been there for her. It's like, no, her best friend in the school isn't on the team. I also think it takes her, it's, it's that sort of repeated questioning that escalates her to the true heart of the matter. Now she just doesn't want to let down her stepdad. Yeah. Like, I think she uses all of that as sort of fronting for what the actual issue is. And she's like, I, I see the value that you place on this team. Therefore, and therefore I'm not going to let you down. Yeah. And again, to stepdad's credit, he's like, all right, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go find your dad. And find him they do. And what does Kelly have to do to reach him? Repel. It's a full circle moment. I just mm-hmm. don't. I Listen, good for her. She can repel. That's so irresponsible of stepdad. No, she's been trained. It's fine. I feel fine about her repelling. Yeah, she learned it. She learned it. it. And it was definitely her. Yeah. I'll tell you what I don't feel fine with is the scene that's happening in parallel, which is her drill team not realizing she's gone and her mom not realizing she's gone when all they had to fucking do was tell them. Like, they didn't tell anyone? Text your mom. You have a phone. Her mom's like looking for her on the floor. Like, you didn't tell your mom? Also, like, stepdad didn't tell anybody? You're the commandant, bro. I'm, t- I'm saying. It doesn't make... that that This part drives me insane. Well, and also, the commandant has a cell phone, too. We mm-hmm. know this because he calls for rescue for dad. Could have taken that son of a gun out and called literally anybody mm-hmm. and let them know in route. Also, why wouldn't he... This is just hitting me. Let's say they have to drive 15, 20 minutes to get to where dad is. Mm -hmm. But they have a pretty good idea of where dad is. Mm -hmm. Why would they not call someone else to go out there first? Who knows? Like, there there should be park rangers or some kind Mm -hmm. of emergency services people that, like... Because if he truly was in a life or death situation, that 20 minutes could be a very big deal. Mm -hmm. And you're not going prepared with anything. Like, you're going to find him, but... They clearly couldn't treat him or like they could barely repel. The rope wasn't long enough. (laughs) I mean, the entire purpose of Kelly going down that rope is to one, show us as an audience, her growth that she can repel now without, without uh, letting her fear limit her. And two, the stated rationale for her being there is like, I just want to be with him. Right. You could be like, let's say he has fallen. You moving him could injure him more. Well, I had that and, thought too. <laughs> and it's a callback to when she was too scared to repel during the obstacle course and CCR is like, what are you going to do if your man needs you yeah. or your team needs you? So this is like all coming full circle. But I just, you could have whilst in the car, the, the stepdad could have called someone and been like, We're, we have a possible man down. Mm-hmm. They yep. knew exactly where he was. They knew exactly where he was. They went right to him. Yeah. Found his camera bag post haste. Dad is ultimately rescued. He's concussed, but otherwise okay. Concussed and can't move his right arm. He can move his left because also, he gives a lot of hugs with it. Also, no blood. No blood. No blood. No gashes, no bruises. He's, he no looks blemish. fine. He's fine. Totally chill. I mean, he fell longer than a rope is long. And, and he's laying mostly like, okay. M- face first in and out of consciousness on a rocky ledge but not a not not a hair out of place that's right it was hair perfectly quaffed that's right oh god oh dad's rescued comes back up on the stretcher gives a hug 
to yeah. Kelly. And then Kelly looks to stepdad and salutes him. And Hell yeah, she does. And he Hell yeah. Kelly and holds his arms out. And I thought I was like, if this is gonna be a Voldemort hug, <laughs> I am gonna lose it. But no, it was a good hug that Kelly shares with stepdad. And this is the moment. And I like can't. injured dad just watches his daughter <laughs> hug. It was so awkward. Face. Oh god. She keeps hugging him. She hugs him like three more times I know. I know. And this is the moment where she breaks the hug after like the multiple iterations and is like you're ready to be a dad. Yeah. That is you, true. you weren't a t- you weren't a total dick to me just now after I saved my real dad from certain death. So you are ready to be a father. I deem you prepared. And this is also where she goes, I have a dad and a dad. And I was like, <laughs> two dads, what? but what? Not, but I <laughs> What? Two dads. Yeah, but not like that. But not in a gay way. <laughs> what? Just, right. What? Also, no. Yeah. One's an absentee father, and the other puts a way too much pressure of his own goals on your I thought, outcomes. I thought we were calling him sir. Let's uh, come on. I have a dad and sir. I have a dad yeah. and a sir. Yeah. <laughs> Could have. Like, I'll never forget. What do I call you? You Joe and a lot of women sir? out there. I'm just saying. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. They rush Kelly back to the competition where the team has already written her off. If I may quote CCR, once a maggot, always a maggot. Dude, they immediately, they turn their back on her. Immediately. She shows back up and they still don't take to her kindly. It's not until Gloria, that savior, steps in and is like, crush it, ladies. Do they show any semblance of a team unification? Even when stepdad is like, I took her like it's fine. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I kind of understand because like she just no call, no showed their ass. Right. <laughs> if, if stepdad goes up to him and is like, Hey, cadet Kelly has a family emergency. I will hope to have her back. But just so you know, she's with me. Everyone would have been like, got it. We drop formation to three. We do the show. And we all understand. They're all like, hey, we went to the second round and you just weren't here. That would actually be better because it would show that her teammates care about her as a person mm-hmm. and not just a sweet dancer. Uh-oh, like she is a sweet dancer. It would show that like the t- the unit is more than mm-hmm. drill team. Like it would be mm-hmm. like, especially if they were like, Oh, Kelly, we're so glad you're okay. Like, we're glad you made it. But the most important thing is that everything's okay. You mean right. the setting that stepdad described as the military when he was trying to convince Kelly that she would never lose her individuality? Because in the military, at least in the school that they're representing, they value the individual, but the collective good is always the intent. You mean that thing that they definitely have never once displayed at all throughout this entire Well, they film? show the collective good when they're about to not win. They're down by five points. They have to crush this gym step routine. The only thing that could save them (laughs) is a one girl, I'm sorry, a two girl 
revolution with mm, with we, ribbon dancing god can we please talk about some of the camera shots that happen here oh, did you dude, all the notice editing of this shit is it's so unbelievable ins- like the they, every jump they would jump and then it would cut thrice before their feet hit the ground <laughs> why did i see every step it multiple was so times? confusing that they would jump cut to three replays of every move i I don't know. I was like, are they superhuman? Are they actually jumping three times? Are they, is this, it's intentional clearly, but like, what is it meant to represent? Also, I, I know we saw examples of a good team doing this earlier, but I just want to remind us how awkward it would be to watch it without the music that we're hearing. <laughs> I know because yeah, I, th- I thought the same thing. I was like, Oh, the music does make this better. <laughs> but there is no music. It There's been, not music in the competition. It would have been quiet. Just the sound just, of them stumping and twirling. And they're also, ribbons. you would only just see each ribbons. move one time. You <laughs> just their ribbons fluttering in the breeze. Oh, <laughs> And yes, we brought it full circle with One Girl Revolution and the ribbons get busted back out. They didn't mm-hmm. even do cool ribbon dancing. No, they, no, just, they just had them. They did a waggle and a toss. That's about I all I wanted them to like throw them to each other and stuff. Mm. That would be neat. It's not oh, what happens. I, I'm just curious. Is, is a, a toss, is that what you would call cool ribbon dancing? <laughs> I mean, what is full ribbon dancing? No, no shade to no shade to all of our ribbon dancing listeners out there. But <laughs> I'm just curious, what what would be the bar for what you would describe as cool ribbon dancing? I think the coolest ribbon dancing uh-huh. is rhythmic gymnastics, like at an Olympic. Sure, level. I agree. That is cool ribbon That's dancing. That's the peak of if you're com- peak of ribbon dancing because if you're competing you not- for an Olympic medal. I yeah. agree. I don't actually give a shit what it is. You're obviously yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and they are obviously doing gymnastic feats whilst twirling the ribbon. But mm-hmm. they do lots of like throwing it in the air and then doing an acrobatic trick and then catching mm-hmm. it again type thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty cool. I agree. I also, that's cool. I also, I also got to say I was at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter today mm-hmm. and the ladies of Beaubaton mm-hmm. come out <sighs> and they have ribbons and they go... As they spin them, mm-hmm. and I don't know if it's cool, but the the men of Durmstrang sure seem to think so. Do you think so. that what makes it cool is the ribbon or the ha? The orgasm noise? Yeah, I don't I th- really know. I think it's all the above, but I I I don't know. That's the coolest ribbon dancing, but I do think it's cooler than what we're seeing here. I understand. Well, it's good to have a spectrum. Hmm. Mm-hmm. We have to, know, and, and they sit very much on one end of it. However. The judges of this competition believe this is the most legit shit they have seen ever. Yeah. And rate them. Except a, for second most legit shit. Yeah. Well, no, as a collective. Well, behind, second, as a collective, the second most legit. It was the closest race for the top three that they've had. And spoiler alert, this, t- this team takes second by a point. They... Dude, I just love the suggestion, and I know they address this because naturally Kelly's like, "Man, if I had been here, we would have maybe we would have won." And CCR's like, "If you hadn't been here, we would have we would have lost or whatever." I, they address it, but I do just love that they gave it second because even if narratively they address it, the implication is if you hadn't gone to save your dad, maybe we would have won. And I'm like, "That's fucking brutal, man!" Like it's is, just oh. it's just like one more twist of the damn knife dude like 
it, I know they like write it off and they have a human moment, but like by, by writing them to get second, they do imply they're like, you made a choice. And these are the consequences poorly that writing, man. That's just it's wild. It's wild. It's tough. As you said, Captain Stone, though, is like, hey, if you hadn't been here, we wouldn't have made it this far. They share a human moment, a hug. And just as soon as Kelly and Captain Stone reach a good place, Kelly is excited for the next year. She and Captain Stone are going to practice together. They're going to win first next time. Captain Stone's like, yeah, no, I'm actually moving. (laughs) My my parents got transferred to Europe. I'm actually moving after this. And Kelly's like, what? Well, hold on. So good. Before we talk about that plot that was shoehorned in with 90 seconds left, we got to wrap up the Jealousy Carla plot where new dad does in fact say oh, right after she says i have two dads he goes you know you can have two best friends and that's the moment that she's like sir's ready to be a dad yeah and then she goes back to the competition and she sees carla and she's like hey sorry i called this person who's my best friend my best friend mm-hmm. you're also my best friend and carla's like great that's it that's the whole plot point that's the whole plot point why we shoehorned that in in 15 minutes no idea i'll never know god knows i would have rather used that time to learn more about carla same yeah but the movie well we don't the movie ends with everybody saluting joe and then letting it down and then kelly because she she has to have the last word and or motion salutes Joe and they share a salute one on one in front of everybody. It's certainly not awkward at all. And that's how the movie ends. Cadet sure Kelly, is. everybody. Cadet Kelly. We made it. What a film. We made it. Let's rate this thing, shall we? What is uh, Molly? What's your rating? I think this is a, an above average decom. I. I'm obviously giving it points because of Hilary Duff. Mm-hmm. I think it would be lying if I said she didn't get points. Um, I have nostalgia for this movie. It has a lot of flaws, um, but ultimately I think the message is kind of like you can be yourself and also part of a team. I don't know. The message kind of gets lost a little bit, but I liked it. I, I'm giving it a 6-8. I agree it's an above average decom. I think that there are some confusing parts of the writing of this movie but that i think the acting is pretty strong i think that this cast is good i like i think hillary duff brings it i think christy carlson romano brings it i think iceman brings it uh laughing at everything that captain stone does um I I enjoyed watching most of these characters i think some of the plot points are weird choices uh all that to say six yeah i'm gonna i agree fully about the acting this is some of the best acting we've seen in a decom outside of maybe like the color of friendship Mm. it's been a long time since we've seen this caliber of acting i think having a realization on this podcast about why i have my own deep-seated issues with some of these like some of the things that are uh, that that kelly is forced to own um that was eye-opening in a very interesting way 
The only thing that I would add is that we could tighten up this film by removing a couple of superfluous items that are very, very simple towards the end of this movie, and it would be a lot better for it, right? Mm -hmm. Then I think that's, it's rare that we're like, hey, take out this shoehorned in best friend plot, take out this shoehorned in, like moving away, like just take those things out and we get a really, really good movie. I'm gonna give it a 6.4, also for Mm -hmm. some nostalgia factors. Now I'm gonna tell you this, I was tempted to read to you all perhaps one of the longest reviews in Zetas Lapidus history as I went to IMDb. I kid you not, I have to scroll for the better part of an entire page to get through this review. They were wow. passionate about it, passionate. But I don't believe I can, uh, I can bring myself to do that to you. So I am going to, uh, I'm going to read you a five out of 10 review. Okay. That is entitled Cadet Failey. Oh, I don't, I'm going to be honest. I've read this a bunch and I don't really know how to, how to strike the tone on this. So we're just going to wing it Mm -hmm. and, and and maybe the the tone will grab me and we'll be able to have Mm -hmm. it. Cadet Kelly has a very unique plot, really unique. It is so original that when I first heard about it, I, it immediately sounded bizarre and felt weird to be honest. I watched this as a child and only remembered the scene where Kelly was crawling through the mud while someone yelled at her. And when she was complaining to her friend, This pretty much sums up the movie. While it does sound original, it suffers from repeating itself constantly in stretches of boring scenes. Hilary Duff plays a ditzy, annoying schoolgirl who is basically a clone of Lizzie McGuire. Boring! (laughs) There are even moments where you can hear her thoughts, just like in Lizzie McGuire. The plot of this movie is essentially Lizzie McGuire goes to military school. It's a refreshing change of pace in the movie, however, because it gets boring after a while when she joins the drill team. Same flips and tricks with a gun over and over gets monotonous. Maybe attempting to focus on Lizzie and Kim's issues at the same time as the drill team plot would have made this movie less of a drag. At the end of this movie, there's another random story that comes out of nowhere that involves Lizzie's biological dad visiting her, only to fall off a cliff and crack his head open on a ledge. Not in- <laughs> Well, he didn't crack his head open, he didn't crack for his the record. Head open. There would have been blood. This requires Lizzie. I love that they just called this them Lizzie the entire time. They're just calling time. Lizzie. I mean, we have, we have done that, so. True. This requires Lizzie to save him along with her soon-to-be stepdad while the drill competition is happening. The film closes on a bit of a weird note as the drill team loses the competition. I guess winning isn't everything, but come on. I want a happy ending. This is a Mm. Disney movie. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose my point is that the movie is boring as well as random, but overall much more entertaining than High School Musical. What? (laughs) What? I whoa! What? <laughs> Hold on. Acting was also good, especially that dude from Office Space. But who the hell calls their stepdad sir? Especially that. Now that dude I can from get Office on board space. with. <laughs> Better acting than High School Musical. I mean, that's wow. Crazy. I'm actually not, I don't know if I can disagree that the acting's better than High School Musical, but the film is not better than High School Musical. No. Agree, agree. First High School Musical had some flaws. I think we, it's just better if we accept that, but namely Zac Efron's voice missing. How dare you? Well, you know what? We'll get there. We'll get there. I love the first High School Musical. There's a lot. Yep. I take fault with this person saying they repeat the same scenes over and over again. They've clearly never seen a decom because <laughs> that is something that happens in every decom. And I actually don't think it happened that much in this movie. 
Y'all, I, I especially listen. and and in some of these decoms, we not only repeated the same like idea for a scene, we repeated the literal literal same, same, scene. same scene. Yeah, it. Yeah, they listen. They've clearly not seen a lot of them, but hey, mm-hmm. uh, what do we have next week? We have True Confessions. Hmm. It is the story of True Walker, who aspires to be a famous filmmaker. She's a twin brother, Eddie, played by Shia LaBeouf, who is developmentally delayed due to oxygen deprivation at birth. Wait a minute. Oh. What? Oh, wow. Eddie becomes the subject of True's documentary for a film contest she enters. Boy, that movie just feels like it's covered in landmines, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I haven't yep. seen that one before. Same as nope, But we went from Ren Stevens to Lewis oh, Stevens. Oh, yeah, that's true. Lewis? And Was that his name in the, in yeah. the show? Lewis Stevens. Yeah, and um, I'm... I don't want to say I'm stressed, but I... I, <laughs> I think you can say stressed. I'm, I'm not con- sure. Yeah, I'm we'll concerned see. about a 2002 film about yeah. A, yeah. a child who is developmentally delayed. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Well, we're going to get to that next week then, aren't we? In the meantime, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to follow us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. And please leave us a rating and review. It really does help us out. Follow us on all of our socials. That's at Mammoth Club or at Mammoth underscore Club. And if you'd like to talk with us directly, join us on our Discord. But in the meantime, everybody, we will see you next week when we watch and review True Confessions. Bye. 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 Goodbye, sir. Sir, goodbye, sir. Same idea. Sir, goodbye, sir.